In this episode of the Dandy Funhouse, we're going to melt down the history of Mad Magazine, how it all started, the backstories of some of their most iconic contributors, battles with J. Edgar Hoover, corporate takeovers, and how a lawsuit against Mad Magazine filed by Irving Berlin set in place the legal protections for parody and satire that we take for granted today. Some of what we're going to talk about might make you crazy. Some will probably make you mad. So without further ado, let's step into the fun house. <laughs> Where am I? You just entered the dandy fun house. Hello and welcome to the Dandy Funhouse, the home of your favorite frivolities. I'm your host, Neil Dandy, and before we go any further, I'd like to give a special thank you to my 13-year-old puppy, Emma Lou, the Dandy Dog, for guest hosting last month's episode 17, the top 10 dog-friendly attractions in America. If you haven't had a chance to check that out yet, I suggest you do so. It's a howl. <laughs> but this month, we're going to be melting down the condensed history of the most iconic satire and parody publication the world has ever known, Mad Magazine. Let's descend! Back in the 1950s, there was a comic book company called EC Comics, run by a man named William Gaines. His publications were best known for horror and slasher comics like Tales from the Crypt. William had a young, hungry artist and writer named Harvey Kurtzman, who was fresh out of the military and mainly wrote and illustrated stories related to war. But he also had a funny bone and desperately wanted an opportunity to express his more humorous side and get paid for it. His big idea was to start a comic book that essentially made fun of the other comic books of the day. He presented this idea to his boss, William Gaines, who gave it the green light, except it wasn't called Mad, at least not yet. Its first publishing happened in 1952 and was packaged as sort of a takeoff from their Tales from the Crypt series and was entitled Tales Calculated to Drive You Mad. Unfortunately, the first three editions were met with a resounding yawn and they sold terribly, but things turned around fast in issue four after refocusing their sights on a more super target. Issue four unveiled a new character called Super Duper Man, lambasting rival publisher Nation Comics' biggest character, Superman. Word about the satire spread faster than a speeding bullet and gained a newfound notoriety along with a flurry of cease and desist letters, which EC Comics ignored entirely while proceeding full speed ahead, raking most every aspect of popular culture over the coals. They shortened their name to just Mad Comics shortly thereafter, and circulation quickly grew to over three-quarters of a million copies. Not bad. I bet you're wondering about Mad's mascot, Alfred E. Newman, right about now. How and when he appeared on the scene and what his origins were. And that's an interesting story all in itself. Harvey Kurtzman lifted the name Alfred Newman from an old radio show and had been using it in EC Comics' various publications as just kind of a fill-in name for random minor characters. One day, while visiting offices of a fellow publisher, Harvey saw a poster with a gap-toothed moronic character that had been floating around for about 50 years or so in various print ads and political campaigns. The poster had a caption that said, Me worry on it. 
and Harvey fell in love with it, and Mad Comics began using this character but hadn't applied a name to him. It was instead the fans of Mad that started applying the moniker of Alfred E. Newman to the character, and the editors followed their lead. The character of Alfred was polished and perfected by Mad artist Norman Mingo and has been the face of Mad ever since. Now, if I were to pick a Mad feature that's almost as synonymous with the publication as Alfred E. Newman, there's no doubt that I'd have to put Spy vs. Spy at the top of that list. Spy vs. Spy was created by Antonio Projaes, a Cuban refugee who came to America in 1960 with dreams of being a cartoonist. He visited Mad headquarters with his spy drawings tucked under one arm and not knowing a word of English had his daughter Marta act as his translator. The editors went mad over his work and not only was he hired on the spot, he became a mainstay at Mad for decades to come. Al Jaffe created the Mad Fold-In and started producing them around 1963 and continued doing so for 56 years. He was inspired by pinup fold-outs of the time that included publications where the center fold came out. He decided to do the opposite and create fold-ins instead, which basically required the reader to damage the magazine in order to see a hidden picture and message. Jaffe was also known for contributing such recurring themes as snappy answers to stupid questions, amongst other satires, until 2020 when he retired at 99 years old. Ahmad got in lots of trouble over the years, too. They printed a middle finger on one cover. They were encouraging readers to apply for draft dodging cards during wartime and also send extortion letters to the FBI drawing the ire of one J. Edgar Hoover. They even created a $3 bill with Alfred E. Newman's face on it, which actually worked in some change machines at that time and got him a nice visit from the Treasury Department. But the biggest trouble they ever brewed took them all the way to the Supreme Court and ended up paving the way for parody and satire to lampoon popular culture and especially music without fear of reprisal. In 1961, Irving Berlin et al., which means and other interested parties, filed suit against EC Publications after Mad published a series of parody lyrics to popular songs of the time, and the rights holders to those songs took exception, claiming that only they held the right to parody their own songs. The Supreme Court disagreed, precedent was set, and Weird Al became cleared for takeoff, a few decades later, of course. The popularity of Mad also proved to be essential in saving EC Comics, most likely from bankruptcy after a congressional board established a government oversight agency called the Comic Code Authority, which legally compelled comic publishers to adhere to a strict code of conduct relating to good taste and avoidance of controversial topics. This heavily impacted EC Comics' horror and slasher publications like Tales from the Crypt and left Mad as their main moneymaker. With concerns persisting about the Comics Code Authority, Mad was changed from a comic to a magazine, which put them beyond the authority's reach. And Mad Magazine was born thanks to Orwellian government overreach. They continued as an unstoppable force, releasing records, magazines, posters, hats, coffee cups, and most everything else you might think of. Here's an album that was handed down to me when I was a kid in the 70s called Mad Twists and Rock and Roll. I seriously played this thing to death, 
and it largely inspired me onto the path I walk to this day. Founder William Gaines sold EC Comics to the Kinney Parking Company in the early 1960s. The Kinney Parking Company also acquired DC Comics and Warner Brothers. Gaines became a board member of Kinney Parking and was allowed to continue running mad as he saw fit, and he did. Popularity continued to grow throughout the 1960s, and by the mid-70s, mad circulation grew to a staggering 2 million copies. In 1980, Mad tried their hand at making a movie called Up the Academy, and that bombed so horribly that Mad scrubbed all references to itself from subsequent television and video releases. Striking a miss. But after William Gaines' death in 1992, Mad Magazine was folded into Time Warner, who in the mid-90s relocated their operations to DC Comics offices at DC Entertainment. Then in 1995, Fox Broadcasting Company licensed Mad's logo and characters for a skit comedy show produced by Quincy Jones called Mad TV. Much in the vein of Saturday Night Live, but probably closer to In Living Color, the skits didn't really relate much to the world of Mad Magazine, but there were animated features between skits of like Spy vs. Spy and some Don Martin cartoons which made the show almost watchable. Mad TV proved to be a somewhat moderate success and lasted 14 seasons. By the end of the century, satire and parody became more and more commonplace in popular culture, and circulation dwindled down to about 200,000, about 10% of Mad's peak, forcing them to start accepting advertising, which it had never done before, and licensing out Alfred E. Newman for product endorsements. This did help them keep afloat for a while longer until AT&T acquired Time Warner in June of 2018 and discontinued newsstand distribution in 2019, thanks Ma Bell, but continued distributing to comic book stores and also direct subscriptions, which continue to this day. But new issues, they're almost entirely reruns of past features with just a small amount of new material. So for all practical purposes, Mad Magazine, although it's kinda still alive to this day, pretty much had an incredible run of 67 years from 52 to 2018 with 550 regular issues and dozens of special editions. And there's a whole lot more to this story of Mad than what I'm able to present here. The list of stories, albums, television productions, iconic writers and artists goes on almost as far as the eye can see. Don Martin, Frank Jacobs, Mort Drucker, Dave Berg, and Sergio Aragonis, just to name a few of the iconic contributors I didn't have time to go into here. So with all that said, and much more for you to go forth and explore about the amazing history of this cornerstone of American satire known as Mad Magazine, this has been the Dandy Funhouse Condensed History of Mad. And if you'd like to delve deeper from there, just go shopping for some Alfred hats at uh, madmagazine.com. There's stuff you can find there, subscriptions, and actually a few new uh, gags over there too. Also, if you've enjoyed this show and you'd like to support future productions, please visit our patronage page at dandyfunhouse.com. Supporters gain access to exclusive bonus material, and super supporters will get stuff mailed to them from right here at the Dandy Funhouse Studios. If you give us your mailing address. <laughs> and I would be totally remiss and kind of a scab if I didn't give special acknowledgement to the other resources from which we stole information from 
which was contained in this episode, okay? Mentalfloss.com, madmagazine.fandom.com, and as usual, Wikipedia. Thanks for joining our meltdown into madness. Hope you're not too mad to come back to the Dandy Funhouse, where everything's always fun and dandy. Ta-ta for now. Cut it, print it.